0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages. If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com We hope you enjoy this message. When we look at God's word, I don't know what I don't know how you feel when you, you look at God's word and you try to put it all into into place and, and, and look at you know what is it all about? Well, I've been thinking about that just you know, over months and such. And and when I look at God's Word, there is a beautiful thread that runs through it, and that thread is the love of God right through you can you can see it all through from right from genesis there right through to revelation we can see the love of god manifest to mankind for for time but for eternity as well and it's really it is really regrettable and sad that the word love has been so misrepresented it really has. You know, to some degree, it, it's, just been, it's just been in some areas dragged into the, the dust of this earth. But you know, when, when we really look at the love of God, something that is so beautiful. Nathan alluded to it a little this morning when he was talking about the intimacy and the beauty with which God loved and cared for the likes of Adam. And Eve right there in the garden. And what existed there before their fall. Was absolutely beautiful. But so often. So often our understanding. And our perception. Of love is spoiled. By what we see around us sometimes. But also it can be spoiled. By. Relationships that each one of us has had sometimes it can be spoilt by our understanding of love through parents and how they dealt with us and you know the bible says you know parents earthly parents aren't perfect and sometimes you know all of us as parents and you know we we have the joy of being parents but i want to tell you i've made a whole lot of mistakes and i pray that those mistakes that i've made with my kids i don't believe that they've spoiled the understanding of the love of god to them and for them but it does think you know when we talk about the love of god it just so often is colored it's colored by how we have experienced love so i want you to i want you to understand that as i'm bringing god's word tonight because Sometimes, God, the God of love, the God who loves you, sometimes he has things to say to us that can be challenging. And we just need to remember. We just need to remember. And I want you to remember, as I bring God's word, I'm bringing this word, but right behind it all, there is a God of love. And sometimes... God has things to say that are challenging. Sometimes, if we don't see, if we don't see the, the person and the persons behind what is being said, we can just so misunderstand and we can take it wrong. You know, there was a time when when Jesus was speaking to Peter. You, you know, we know Pe- Peter. I don't doubt Jesus loved him. We don't doubt. Jesus loved him with a passion, friends. Peter was one of the people that that Jesus would take with him. You know, he, he was one of the three that so often went with Jesus into the most wonderful and incredible of experiences. So I don't doubt that Jesus loved Peter. But there was an occasion when Peter was saying... Jesus had been saying to to Peter and to the other disciples, look, I'm sorry, but there's going to come a time when I'm going to leave you. And I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And and Peter said, oh, no, you're not. You know, no, you are not. Listen to the words that came out of the mouth of Jesus to Peter. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Did that come from a God of love? Did it come from a heart that very shortly after was just going to, a life that was going to be laid down for that man? Of course it, it did. Of course it did. And were it not, friends, for the reality and the knowledge that Jesus loved Peter with all his heart, those words could have just could have just crushed you forever but they didn't crush him because Peter knew he knew that Jesus loved him and as we come to God's word tonight I want to tell you it's been challenging for me and when when anybody stands here and brings God's word I want to tell you that before we preach God's word to you we are preaching it to ourselves We're preaching it to ourselves. And when I spoke last. On the blessed family. And Samuel. I closed with a quote. By Oswald Chambers. It was this. If I obey Jesus Christ. The redemption of God. Will flow through me. To the lives of others. Because behind the deed of obedience. Is the reality. Of almighty God. And the. It leaves us with with a big decision, each and every one of us. And that decision is, do we say yes or do we say no? God has given to every one of us. We heard again this morning about the reality that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And part of that incredible creation that God has planted in our lives is the free will. The, the ability. The free will to say to almighty God. Yes. Or no. God, God doesn't come along and force himself upon us. He leaves it with if. If. If you will follow me. If you'll open the door. Yes or no. No. And tonight I want to look at the one who asks for our obedience. We looked at Samuel as an example, but I want to look at the perfect example. I want to, with you tonight, look at Jesus. Perfect, wonderful, glorious example to every one of us. The first thing I want to say is that First of all, we are all examples. Every one of us. Whether we like it or not, we are all examples. Whatever we're doing in our day-to-day life, whatever we're doing within our family, whatever we do behind the closed doors and privacy of our own home, whatever we are at work, we are examples somebody looking towards us this is what paul says in two corinthians he says clearly you are an epistle of christ ministered by us written not with ink but by the spirit of the living god not on tables of stone but on tables of flesh that is of the heart. Letters. That's what an epistle is. It's an epistle. Our lives, friends, are letters. There's a phrase, you know, we can read you like a book. Well, I want to tell you, whether you like it or not, people read our lives. I'm sorry that sometimes I know I want to tell you I'm not perfect just confess that this evening I'm not perfect I know that sometimes I haven't been the good example that I ought to be and I would suspect there's many of you as well like me sometimes we've just messed up sometimes people have seen that messed up not a good example We can't do anything about what was yesterday, but we can do something about today. We can do something about tonight. We need to remember that our lives are on display for all. James says this. We haven't got it with with the team, but I'll just read it. This is what James says. He says, The prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, they are an example. Take them as an example of suffering and of patience. Those, that's what the word is. It's just full, isn't it? We are all examples. You see them. That's why God has left on record the lives, a record of the, of the lives of men and women in the word. We just turn to Hebrews in chapter 11. Sorry, chapter twelve. Take upon that was that would have um, sent the media team into a spin. Hebrews twelve. No, you can't send them into a spin, can you? This is what the writer of the Hebrews is saying in verse uh, in verse one. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Whenever you see a therefore, as our old pastor used to say, you have to look what it's there for. And that's why I mentioned Hebrews chapter 11 because Hebrews chapter 11 is just a wonderful catalogue of men And women of faith. People who just trusted God's word. So when in Hebrews chapter 12. uh, uh, Well the writer. I say Paul. it It could be others. But when the writer there is saying. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I don't want to discourage anybody. Who might just. You know we can so poetically. Think about this incredible balcony in heaven um, that is that is just full of heroes of faith, uh, mighty men and women who've gone before, and and they are there encouraging us on. Well, I don't want to discourage you, but I don't think that's what it means. What it means is look back on Hebrews chapter eleven and see these men and women who did incredible exploits for God men and women who trusted God against the most impossible of circumstances and came through victorious some of them of course in Hebrews chapter 11 the victory wasn't what we would think a victory in actual fact they went to glory rather than rather than deny the name of Jesus rather than they deny their faith but they were still glorious examples and what what i think the writer there in in hebrews chapter 12 is saying look folks there are a whole crowd of witnesses there are people who you could call in a court of law And they would stand up and they would testify that faith works. That obeying the word works. That following God works. That's what it means. These are our examples of faith. Hebrews chapter 12 turns us quite rightly to who I'm looking at tonight. And the perfect example. So we're all examples, we saw, but let's look at the perfect example. Hebrews twelve and verse two. Because having been encouraged in verse one to see the example of patriarchs and men and women of faith in the past, the Holy Spirit, who inspires the word, he knows that if we look if we look so closely. And, and dissect the lives of all those people in Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. You're going, do you know what you're going to find? You're going to find imperfect men and women. You're going to find flaws within their characters. You're going to find times when they, when they made mistakes, even though they went on to believe God for the incredible. They made mistakes. So the the writer in Hebrews is saying, look, remember all these people, take them as your examples, but look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame." And I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look to Jesus. I remember just a short while when Andy preached. Andy Greenoff preached. And, he, and and I agree with him. You know so often when we're here. Or when we're singing some of the uh, worship uh, songs that we sing. You know, we can use expressions that just. To the average mind just seems just weird. Uh, and they just don't understand it. And one of those expressions uh, he, he, he preached on so admirably. God in our heart. But one of the other expressions he mentioned was. You know keep your eyes on Jesus. We've, we've all done it haven't we? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Well I just want to share just a little bit. Because that's what we do need to do. We do need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We d- and that's what Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 is saying. Looking unto Jesus. I think for me, it's about remembering where we can go when we need help. Where we can go when we need help. Asking. Asking for help. It's about not getting distracted. It's so easy because often when somebody says us to that, keep your eyes on Jesus, it's because something or or, or areas in our life we're finding difficult and somebody comes along and says, keep your eyes on Jesus, brother, sister. It's like, don't get distracted by what's happening at this moment in time. It's about considering Somebody said, you know, when you get a circumstance like that, have you ever thought what Jesus would do in those circumstances? Let's keeping our eyes on Jesus. What would Jesus do? I think probably the bottom line of it all is, let's, let's look at the example that he has left us. Let's look at the example, this perfect example That Jesus has left us. And so I just want to move on to another point, which is the example of Jesus in his obedience to the Father. His obedience to the Father may get a bit painful from this point, but you know, sometimes when things are painful, they begin to grow out of that pain. And I pray God. Might help us to do so. Hebrews chapter 5. And verse 8. Though Speaking about Jesus now. Though he was a son. Jesus the son. He was the son of God. Though he was a son. Yet he learned obedience. By the things which he suffered. Jesus, our perfect example. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Now, I don't know about you, but when you first read that, when you first read that, again, again, it is so easy for our own experiences to colour our understanding of the word because my experience, and I would suggest perhaps many, Many, there may be some perfect people here. But many of our experiences of learning is sadly learning through suffering. Because we made the mistake. I remember, if you just let me share something with you. I remember uh, when I was at school, which was a long time ago. Not quite, not quite the era of uh, slate and chalk, but... <laughs> but a long time ago, we had, of all things, the religious instruction teacher. who was also the music teacher. Um, but he had a really a, a, a nasty knack of doing something, which was he would go out the room and he'd say, just get on with your work and I'll, I'll come back. Don't want talking amongst you. Just get on with your work and I won't be long. And he'd go out the room. I'm sure he did it on purpose. In fact, yeah, I really am sure he did it on purpose. Because he would come back in just a few. Now, you know what you're like, you know, between 11 and 15. And you're sat next to your mates and you just don't feel like doing the work that he's left you to do. And, you know, you don't want to be looking at, you know, Beethoven's this and if it's the... <laughs> if it's the music lesson, or you just don't want to be doing. It, so you're talking about what you're going to do with your mate that night and such. And he would come back in, would come back in, and he'd say, uh, and of course when he comes in, phew, dead, dead quiet. But then he'd say, right, who's been talking? Who's been talking while I've been gone? Now you're not going to admit it, are you? Well, you know, they might have been the odd one, if I recall, but. The majority of us, we didn't admit it. And so he'd say, Right, right, um, girls, I mean, this was a wicked thing he did. Girls, he said, um, Tell me which lads were talking. I mean, what a terrible thing. You know, one of and, and they just couldn't wait. Oh, Tony Reid was talking. <laughs> right, right. And then, right, right then, boys, which of the girls was talking? Well, very rare. Any of them did. You know, they were all good. <laughs> so then, right, he said, all those people, all those people, come out. We got the cane. We got the cane. I know, I know it, you know, this isn't Dickens' time. We got the cane. You just don't know that how blessed you were at school. I'll just tell you, he used to have a cane. It was about this long. He called it the painless punisher. I mean wicked man he really was <laughs> bless him anyway <laughs> the painless pun it was not painless let me tell you I had that cane nearly every, every week at least once and it was not painless I one. there you are <laughs> the what am I saying that for in the humor well eventually eventually I learned to keep quiet when he went out <laughs> <laughs> because I suffered when I didn't. <laughs> now most of us are like that, aren't we? Yeah. We make a mistake and we and, and, and guilt and and everything sometimes you know we we get consequences to the mistakes that we make. Uh, and, and we, we come back and and hopefully we don't make the same mistake again. But we might make it but, but bit by bit we just we learn. We learn obedience. We learn obedience through suffering so often. But Jesus, Jesus didn't learn obedience by suffering because he was never disobedient. Jesus was never disobedient. That's not what this is saying. A, a A better interpretation of this would be that Jesus proved, he demonstrated. He showed to anyone and everyone that would want to look on. He showed his obedience by the things that he suffered. Way way beyond Calvary. And of course, that's what the verse is particular talking about in Hebrews 5 and 8. It's talking about the time when Jesus will come to Calvary. He's talking about that point when he will lay his life down upon that Roman gibbet. Though he were a son, he would learn and demonstrate obedience to the Father through suffering. But I want to tell you something. Jesus suffered. Jesus proved his obedience way before that. Way before that. He learned and proved his obedience when he was misunderstood. When even, even his own family rejected him as the Christ. His own family at one point in time, thank God, many of them, if not all of them, came right through. And, and in actual fact, James, his own brother, was, the, was you know, Martyred so early in his Christian war, but, but before that, his own family was saying uh, that he had mental health problems. He'd gone mad. They were saying, and they tried to they tried to protect him. That's suffering, you know. That's proving proving your his obedience and his suffering. There, he was he was misunderstood when he stayed behind that. That those few days with the people with the with, with, with the um, the priests and those teachers of the law his parents were day's journey uh, going back from Jerusalem uh, uh, and eventually they realised they realised Jesus wasn't with them and his parents his parents didn't understand what it was all about Mary hid it in her heart and that That must have hurt. That must have hurt. And then there were times when Jesus was speaking about his father and those around him, those around him actually did everything but accuse him of being illegitimate. They said, well, we know who our father is. We know who our father is. They were just pointing to the fact that, that Mary Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit before she married Joseph. We know who our father is. And that's suffering. And then there were times when multitudes of people were following Jesus. And, and he started to speak to them really deep. Deep meaning stuff. He spoke to them about his body and his blood. And they just couldn't take it in. And it says that many of them walked no more with him. They turned around. They turned around and walked away. But Jesus kept, he kept walking on. He kept, he kept obeying the Father. Don't tell me that that didn't cause him to suffer but he proved, he proved his obedience as he suffered for the will of his father. Romans 5.19 says this, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. My fourth point, I want to remind us tonight that obedience costs. Obedience costs. We've just looked at a few of the points there in the life of Jesus where he proved his obedience through the things that he suffered. Suffering costs. Following Jesus costs. Oh, I thank God. It's absolutely right. It's the word of God, but, it's, but we're right behind it. I want to tell you that, that the burden that, that Jesus lays upon us when we follow him, it is light. It is light, but it still comes with a cost. Still comes with a cost. It's not half as heavy, trust me, I know. It's not half as heavy as the burden of sin. It's nowhere near to be compared with an inability to sleep at night because of what you've been doing during the day. It's nowhere near as heavy as the guilt and the shame of our lives without Christ. But it still is a burden and it still is a cost for every one of us. This is what John says chapter 12 and verse 24 says most assuredly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains alone but if it dies it produces much grain much grain just a just a grain of wheat what? Jesus is speaking initially about himself first and foremost he's speaking about himself because they just don't want to lose him they've come to know him they've come to love him you know they've sat down at meals with him Jesus is obeying the father and it's going to cost him it's going to cost him it, it, friends what it costs Jesus there's things in our lives that it will cost us to follow Jesus it will cost us I tell you the truth I'm just going to read from the new living translation because I think it just puts it in another way that just may help us he says I tell you the truth unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies it remains alone but its death will produce many new kernels a plentiful harvest of new lives. It's what we're looking for. And we're looking for new lives. We're, we're looking for new lives in lives being changed and transformed. I want to tell you that it costs. There will be times in our lives when we are faced with a choice, when we need to act upon the free will. That God has given to us. There are Christians tonight all over the world that are persecuted for the name of Jesus. There are people in China that are constantly thrown into jail. Some of them, some of them that will never come out of jail. People there in Iraq and, and beyond in Iran and, and, and other areas there where this church and others are going to minister, but it costs them. Some of them, it will cost their whole lives. Some of them, it'll cost imprisonment. Some of them, it'll cost torture. We're not in that position, but, well, I don't believe we are. We don't know what is coming, mind, having said that. What it may cost us is saying no to something and yes to others sometimes it will it will call god will call us in his obedience to lay down things in our lives that aren't good for us we face choices choices to keep the lives that we have to hold on to who we are to hold on fiercely to our independence Or to connect with others for the purposes of God. Areas perhaps that we know aren't right. Or we can die to those areas of self, indulgence and interest. And so through them live and bear much fruit for Jesus Christ. Now that's why I said right at the beginning what I did. Because when God brings challenges like that into our lives, we need to see that the one who is making it is perfect. We need to see, when when God brings those challenges across our path, we need to see that the one who is making those challenges, his hands are still scarred. His side is still scarred he's already he's already paid the highest price we need to see that the love of god his love for us draws us to a closer walk and obedience again so often because of our experiences and not always good experiences when when god calls for us to obey when he calls for us Uh, to meet a cost within our lives that will draw us closer when he might even begin to discipline certain areas of our life if we haven't had if we don't understand that it's coming from a god of love if we don't understand because of bad experiences that it's coming from someone who has the best of intentions for us we we can so misunderstand it we can think that's because we're bad people. I want to tell you, it's not because we're bad people. It, on the very contrary, it's because we are sons, we're daughters. That's why. That's why. The word of God says, "What son, what daughter, doesn't he chase him? What, what son or daughter doesn't he want?" To grow. I believe that God is calling us in these days to growth within our personal lives. Within our walk with him. I believe he's calling us to a place of growth numerically. Within the church and beyond the church. In the nations of the world. Listen to the words of Jesus. When he was going to the cross. When he he was in the garden of Gethsemane. His disciples having fallen asleep. This is what he says. Now my soul is troubled. Jesus didn't find it easy. That's not not heresy. Jesus didn't find it heresy. Uh, Jesus didn't find it easy my soul is troubled and what shall I say Father save me from this hour no he says I'm putting it out of my mind no it was for this very reason I came to this hour again in the garden this is, this, we read some of Hebrews uh, 5 This is from Hebrews 5 and verse 7. This is what he says. Not my will, but yours. Verse 7 says that with strong cries and tears. Feeling, friends, the weight. Feeling the weight of the cross. Feeling the weight of the call of the Father upon his life. With strong cries and tears. At that very point, at that very point, Jesus could have called legions of angels, legions of angels, but he submitted himself and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I just want to share a little bit about, just in closing, then we're just going to come to prayer and to a a very short video. But I just want to share something of the testimony of someone called Francis Brooke. Probably nobody's heard of her unless you really, you know, read all the authors of the hymns that we used to sing. But Francis Brooke was born in 1870 into uh, a, a, a family that loved God, whose father was a minister, and and she saw how her older, sister, older sisters grew up, went out onto the ministry team, went out onto the mission field to serve Jesus. But Frances Brooke couldn't go because she was too ill. She was frail, and she she must have struggled with that. She penned the words of a beautiful hymn, wonderful. But challenging him. And she came to the place in God where she said, I, I'm just paraphrasing this. I may not be able to go out onto the mission fields, I may not be able to do what other people are doing. But this is what the first line of the hymn was. She said, My goal is God Himself, not joy, not peace. None of those things. My goal is God Himself. And she closed that hymn with this verse that I'm going to read to you. She said, This one thing I know, I cannot say Him nay. I can't say no to Him, she's saying. One thing I do, I press towards my Lord, my God, my glory here from day to day and in the glory, there my great reward. If we will, friends, allow our lives to to die to those things that we know God is calling for us to obey him in, if we will allow them to die, then he will raise them to live and to bring life.